Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we thank you this day for all things. We thank you for your goodness over our lives. We give you thanks for men and women who are faithful to serve as an example in a transparent manner that is inspirational and encouraging to follow you, Lord. And Father, as we consider these things, all we can think of is becoming more and more like Christ, becoming more and more like Jesus in all our ways, acknowledging him and he would direct our path. So we pray that you bless your word this morning. We celebrate your goodness in the life of Keiko, Lord. That's our reward also, seeing how she has been able to live a life that is pleasing you, a broken life of humility, of sincerity, of faithfulness. We pray, Father God, that we also walk like you in all things, Lord, and that that manner you might be glorified, Lord, that you in us would be able to live a life that shines brightly in the midst of darkness, Lord, that we might think like you, that we might speak like you, that we might walk like you, Lord. We pray that your word would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would return a harvest of glory Father God, we pray that your word would be a double-edged sword, sharp and quick, and allow it to discern between the spirit and the soul, Lord. Allow us to walk in the light of your word as your word becomes a lamp unto our feet, O God, the bread of life, that we might live by bread, but that not only by bread shall man live, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Let your word impact our lives and bring us to the place of having a testimony before you, Lord, that your word in us made flesh will bring, bring the reality of Christ to this world, Lord, that we would be transformed and in being transformed, we might also transform the world. Father, prosper your word in our hearts that we sin not against you. Thank you for Christ and the cross and redemption and forgiveness. Thank you for grace and truth and mercy and compassion. We glorify you and we bless you in the house of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. When they set out years ago and men have pondered these things, what is the purpose for man's existence upon the earth? Have you ever inquired and say, why am I here? And, and what are these things that are going on about me? And the men have asked these questions. Um, they put together something called the Westminster Catechism. And they said, what is man's chief end? If you ascribe and uh, pursue your greatest expression, what is that? And they said, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To be able to magnify who God is would be the chief end of every living being. And so in that regard, some people says, well, uh, hammer that a little bit more. Bring it more into an understanding mode. Uh, to love God and to love your neighbor. Those are, that's, the, that's the chief end or purpose of man. And some people says, no, that doesn't satisfy me. I need to know a little bit more precise what is my calling in this world. Not only to glorify God and to enjoy him, not only to love God and to love those around me, my neighbors, but the, the reality is that the end 
and chief culmination of every person's life is to become like Christ. I want to be more and more like Jesus. I want his life to transform my life. And, and I've always been challenged by that standard. There's a lot of people says, well, pastor, how high is the standard you're going to keep for us? And I was like, Jesus, he's the model. Don't, don't, don't lower it. Don't conform it to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might be able to enjoy the will of God. And so in every expression here as we finish 2021, and we have said we're on the highway of holiness, we're not coming off this track, God's standard is seen there in John chapter 3, verse 30. And this was at the beginning of the Gospels in the book of John, when John the Baptist says, he must increase and I must decrease. There has to be more of Jesus in my daily affairs and less of Joaquin Molina. There has to be more. Um, even yesterday we were having a gathering with the boys and with my family, my sons, uh, with Melissa and, and with Christina. We were there playing a board game. We were having dinner last night uh, during these Christmas holidays and, and something happened at the dinner table and I said, nah, I'm not going to ruin this moment by opening up my mouth. And then Nick says, I've been at this table too many times to not know what you're thinking, dad. And I'm going to say it. And he said what I was thinking. And I go, yeah, that was it. I was going to say it, but I didn't say it because I didn't want to ruin the moment. And that's when you say, I don't want to be like me. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be able to think and respond and act like Jesus because provocation could not pull me out of Jesus. In other words, if somebody pokes you in your eye, pulls your beard and kicks your shin, you're not supposed to react like you would react. You should model Christ. And the words that come out and the compassion and the mercy and the grace have to be the same that he has poured upon you. When you are provoked and when you act in a nonsensical way, becoming like Christ is our standard. Becoming like Christ is our testimony. There has to be Christ increasing and me decreasing. Christ's likeness is the will of God for his people. Romans 8.29 says, if we look in the past, if we look at his original design, he who foreknew before things happened, in the past when nobody knew, God already knew, and he determined it before it happened. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. It's not a new game plan to be like Christ. It was the original game plan to be like Christ, that he might be the firstborn amongst, born, uh, uh, amongst many brethren. As we see that that was God's original plan, now in, in present timing, we say, okay, so what is his present timing in these matters? If he foreknew in the past, what does he know now in 2 Corinthians 3.18? What he knows now is if we keep our eyes on the prize, we keep our eyes on the model, we keep our eyes on the blueprint, we all 
without being hypocrites. We look at him as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And if we look at Jesus, we will be transformed into his same image. I want to be like Christ. I don't want to continue. I don't want to justify, compromise, or excuse myself. I want to see this trend. Transformation taking place so that I can go from face to face, from glory to glory, just by the Spirit, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's what the Spirit of God is doing. He's saying, don't think like that. Don't speak like that. Don't act like that. You have a high call in Christ to become more and more like Him. And so if we have the past and we have the present, we have the future. First John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, we now, children of God, it's not just clear just yet what we will become. It has not been revealed. What we shall be. That means the future. We talked about the past, those he foreknew and predestined. We talked about the present. We're looking at him being transformed. We look at the future. It's not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is finally revealed, we shall, future tense, be like him. For we shall see him as he is. So we see the latter past the present and even the future the target and the prize and the bullseye is consistent with God expecting us to be like Christ in this expression a lot of people don't know what it means but we have fallen off the track Romans 3:23. since we all went our different ways and we have sinned We've all had a measure of not being like Christ. We have fallen short of the glory of God. Part of filling the earth with his glory, like the waters cover the sea, is that many men and women will be like Christ in every nation, in every place, in every tribe, in every tongue. There's people all over the world in places you least expect it that are being called to become like Christ. It's a spirit of God that is leading us to conform to the image of his son. And in that regards, we don't want to fall short. Now we're back on track. And our prayer is, Lord, all those things that have passed, all those things that were in the present, all those things I'm going through right now, all the things that will come down the pike, I know my purpose is to be like Christ. Historically, God has called us to be more and more like Jesus. We don't know what that means in many respects. Um, in fact, I think some people have thrown in the towel and they, I've heard many people says, I'm only human. Well, what kept you only human? Because the spirit of God is transforming you to higher level to not be a mere human. I, I think it's powerful. The other day somebody says, well, what does the pastor think he is? Uh, you know, that he's going to have some type of supernatural expression in this world? I said, well, somebody answered and says, listen, the shadow of Peter as he walked down the street healed the sick. It wasn't Jesus. He says, greater things you shall do in my name. 
So a lot of times we're, we're substandard when we should be above standard and prominent and premier in the expression of being like Christ. So we've fallen short for all the humanists to say we could only attain to human standards because God has called us and predetermined us in Christ to be like him. He's the firstborn amongst many brethren, but we're the brethren. We're the ones that are called in this world to be like Christ. And so in that, you know, we must have missed it by not reading our Bibles well. But if we call ourselves Christians, 1 John 2, 6, if you go around saying you're a Christian, he who says that he's a Christian ought himself to walk just as he walked. In other words, you could raise above human situation and circumstances and be seated with Christ in heavenly places. I think it's spectacular to see young people. Uh, we said that in our last teaching on Wednesday night that here Mary and Joseph in the Christmas story were towing the line for humanity. Ages 14 through 17, Mary. Maybe Joseph was a little older because he already was uh, in enterprise and work, but not much older. They were young in comparison to what we consider a mature adult. They were towing the line for history's sake. And now the young people say, well, I don't feel that I could do much more than to play video games and, and waste time. No, you could be a champion from a young age. We talked about Joseph hearing from God and having dreams as a young age. Jesus said, at the young age of 12, I must be about my father's business. He took serious the manner of stewarding his father's character and name. I must be about my father's business. I can't be naive of that, about these matters. He set to wonder the teachers of the law in the temple as a child because he knew scripture. He knew how to he knew what was in the word. Nobody deceived him. Nobody could pull a fast one on him. And so uh, as we went to Cuba, we were in Havana. Uh, we traveled the entire country of Cuba, 15 provinces in 21 days. And when we, when we approached Havana, all the theologians came out. All the scholars, all the bright older men. And they wanted to challenge us and say, who does this man think he is teaching on manhood? And when they came out, they were marveled. Because I didn't have theology. I had God's presence. I had God's wisdom. I had God's testimony, experience, and impression, impartation. And they had to put away their wit and their wisdom and the intelligence of the wise. God confounds and makes foolish. And that's what we're talking about. Let's... let's be tangible and practical about becoming like Christ. And if we claim, 1 John 2, 6, if we claim that we are in him, he who says that he abides in Christ, if you say you're a Christian, you ought yourself also walk as he walked. Your daily life has to be an impression to everybody you are around. In the Christmas holidays, I had a crack in my cell phone. The little screen here cracked. So I was walking through the mall and I see a young man there. 
And I said, hey, uh, can you fix this? He says, yeah, it'll be $20. I said, okay, let's do it. So he fixed my phone and he says, what do you do? I say, I fix cracked men. And he says, oh, how do you do that? I started talking to him and I gave him a copy of my, I went to the car and I brought a copy of my book and, and he says, I wish I could give that to my dad. I said, I got one for your dad. What's, he's from Peru, he speaks Spanish. I go, take one to your dad. Because we ought to walk like Christ in every circumstance. It's not just here at church. We, we cannot be around anybody for more than seconds to impact their humanity with our divinity in Christ. We have the answer. We're not part of the problem anymore. We need to walk as he walked upon this earth. Miracles, signs, and wonders will transform nations. As we began our ministry 20, 24 years ago, 1998, uh, people were like, oh, are you going to change the world? Yes! We're going to change the world. How? By changing lives because our lives have been changed. And so there's an impartation. I rejoice. I don't know if you rejoice. I've been watching social media and watching all the families of this church and how they rejoice and how they're glad and how they're taking pictures and, and proclaiming, look what Christ has done. It's been Christ's grace. It's not normal. It doesn't exist. There's not many holding together today. There's families disintegrating on every side. We live in a leper colony called Miami. People don't know how to keep marriages together. They don't know how to celebrate husband and wife and keep, the Bible says, Proverbs 17, 6, the glory of children is their parents. The glory of children is their father's house. And when the father's house is broken and coming undone, there is no glory for our children. I love to see Eric Natera golfing with his son. There's not many fathers doing that. And here is Christ-like character, perseverance. We see these things in the Word of God. John 15, 13, no greater love has a man to lay down his life for his friends. This inspiration of unconditional love shown by God, the creator of all things, who came down here and did not put any limits in his love. And the people, so one thing about religious people, they run out of love and they start judging they start pointing and accusing. They've lost all manner of sympathy with regards to laying down their life. Who like? Like who? Like Christ. The greatest expression of his character is his love, laying down his life for one another. When did these people decide to pick up arms against the body of Christ and to become like the devil and accuse the brethren? The devil, day and night before the throne of God, picking at the saints of God. Who's standing there covering us? The love of Christ. The advocate before the Father. He, he says he's a defense attorney, never lost a case. And he represents you and I. They're intercessing. He lives forevermore making intercession for the saints. You're never more like Jesus than when you're crying out to God on behalf of your brother and sister. To be like Christ is to cover those that you can pick out in a second all their sins. The glory of God is that he who forgives much loves much. In the multitude of the many sins we have, 
love covers them all. And so when they're not being covered, you know love is not present anymore. And so we have to say, God, fill me with a greater measure of your love so that I could be more like you, not more like the devil. That was worthy for an amen. His prayer for life, becoming like Christ, is that you're more tuned to him in prayer. In Luke 5, 16, Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place, to a wilderness, and he prayed. We have to find more and more opportunities to talk with God. I said it on Wednesday, it's a travesty for parents to try to parent their children without their children having a relationship with God. So tell your children to go into their room and talk with God and to repent before God and to come out and to tell you what God told them. So it's not towing the line because you're a good parent or you're telling them what to do and what not to do, but bring Christ into it so they become more and more like Christ. I saw that in the life of my son, Nick. He was dating a young girl named Melissa and Melissa's parents were being strict and they were saying, no, you got to be careful because we want to do this right. And so Nick went into the room. He says, God, what am I supposed to do? And God says, don't mess with the orphan child. Respect her. And so he backed off. He says, I better not mess with Melissa no more. I better allow God to finish the good work that he started. We need to hear from God. There's nothing like a young person hearing from God to line up with God's standard. Don't, don't diffuse that. Don't, don't disconnect your children from having a relationship with God in prayer. In, on the cross, Christ becoming like Christ is in forgiveness. And I'm blown away every time I read Luke 23, 24. He's on the cross. He's been nailed by these savages. He's a crown of thorn is on his head. They've spit at him. They've pulled his beard out. They have pierced his side. And he's looking at them. And he's saying, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Father, remove this sin from them and don't count it against them in that remark. In his attempt to serve humanity, in Mark 10, 45, it says, even so, the Son of Man did not come to be served. You're not coming here to find out who is blessing you, but to serve. You, you don't leave a church because you're not being served. You got to find out where you're serving in church, where you're laying down your life, giving your time. This morning, out of all the mornings in the world, the person that had to serve in the TriCaster didn't come to church. So we couldn't start the service online. So you're saying, what happens when one person drops the ball? You know what I would do in my humanity? Not Father, forgive him, Father, crucify him. Put him up there on that cross right there and don't let him ever be in a position to drop and fumble the ball to the body of Christ. Because that causes everyone who's on vacation and everybody who watches us around the world not to see the glory of God in this place. And so are you serving God or are you sitting back in a judgment seat Nobody was here to greet the people when we came in. The Sunday school is not going good. The cafeteria's food is... No, you are called to make a difference in those areas. You're called to polish the body of Christ. For even so, the Son of Man did not come to sit down and be served, 
but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. In your service, you make the house of God glorious. In your presence, you make the house of God faithful and perseverance and enduring. In the most difficult of times, you're not throwing the towel. He who's faithful to the end. I'm glad the Bible says that. He who endures to the end. He who perseveres to the end. It's not halfway. It's not a little bit. It's not most of the way. It's all the way. And Christ is our example in that regard. There it is, his compassion in Matthew 9, 36. When he sees the multitude, he doesn't see a lot of people that need to be thrown into hell. The Bible says he saw the multitude. He was moved in compassion. I'm asking God for a compassionate heart. I'm asking God next year, 2022, the year of compassion. How about that? Year of us not taking the hardships of this world to justify our wickedness and growing cold in our love. But God, merciful and compassionate, being able to show forth an expression of his attributes, not to lose people, but to bring them in because they were weary and scattered. Who is a weary, scattered people, but a sheep without a shepherd? You want to be weary and tossed to the far extent of the nations? Don't allow yourself to be shepherded. You'll see how far that takes you. The Bible says that he had self-control in his spirit. Acts 8.32 He did not go to the cross licking his wounds and sad. But the Bible says he took a different disposition. How was it? He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. Big difference between a sheep and any other animal that is slaughtered. A sheep does not say a word. It's the only animal that when it's being slaughtered, it doesn't go, ah, ah. I was terrified at the age of five. My grandfather decided to, to kill a pig the first time. This is a Cuban tradition for Christmas season where they would slaughter a pig and have a pig roast. And they said, come out and watch this thing. And, and when they slaughtered that animal, I had never heard a woman scream like that. The loudest screech would be heard for miles because he did not want to lose his life. And so every time a pig is slaughtered, I don't want to be anywhere near there. Because with every screech, you see the terrified animal going nuts before his slaughter. But not a, a sheep. A sheep goes to the slaughter and it says that like a lamb before its shearer is silent, he opened not his mouth. Have you heard any sheep that are not like Christ? That they go through a little bit of turbulence and they're like... <laughs> All manner of expressions of their suffering and their death in a manner that is not worthy of the Lamb. He was able to control his spirit and did not say a word, the Bible says. He was able to move in authority in Mark 1.23 as he came and there was a, a, a demon-possessed man, an unclean spirit crying out. And they cried out, what do you want us with us, Jesus? 
Leave us alone. Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus was able to move in his authority and say, be quiet and come out of him. God has given us spiritual authority if we're like him. If we're like him, we move telling demons to get off of people, telling them to stop pestering homes and households and marriages and children. In that regards, we have Christ being able to teach us how to steward authority. In Luke chapter 9, verse 54, when the disciples James and John saw that Jesus was not accepted in the town they were traveling to, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and destroy them? If God gave us authority, how many people would we destroy? And Jesus answered and said to them, he rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you belong to. We haven't come, verse 56, we have not come to destroy. We have not come to devour men's lives, but to rescue them. We're part of the using our authority not to ruin people, but to bring them back to life. And so we see his disposition on every turn. He's giving us example on every word. I love when I read this verse here in 1 Peter 2.21 that he even exemplified for us the hardship. For this you were called. Listen to this. You're calling in Christ because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. How does Jesus suffer? How is his hardship? When when he's up against difficult situation, what is the example he left for us? I'll tell you what precedes this particular verse is verse 18 when he says, if you're in submission to your masters with all fear, not only to good authority and gentle authority, but also to harsh and difficult authority. If there's suffering to be had and everybody suffers, everybody's under some type of accountability I love when I see people at work. At work, people are making $1,000 an hour. And their boss says, hey, you, I don't like the way you park your car out in the parking lot. You know what they do? They go move their car. You know why? Because they like their $1,000 they're making. But they come to church and somebody tells them, I don't like how you parked your car. And you know what they do? They leave the church. Why don't they leave their business? Because they love money. That's a good place for an amen. The standard of your submission and sobriety is according to whom you serve. And so when you're rebuked at church and told that what you did was wrong, because you're not getting paid, because it's not your livelihood, you think you could get up and leave to your own demise. But Jesus says, Be like me. The example I left you was it doesn't matter if your master is good, if your authority is gentle and and, and according to what you like, or he's harsh. Verse 19, it continues to describe this relationship. For this, 
finds favor. This is commendable. This is good. Because of conscience sake, God, toward God, one endures grief, suffering it wrongly. If you're going through hardship because you're suffering wrongly, it's commendable. Another expression says it finds favor before God. Verse 20, because if you only listen, what credit is it if when you're beaten for your fault, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. I've told people here, I call your attention, if you were doing what's right, there's no issue. You just showed that what you were doing is right. But if, if there's repairs to be made, correct them and move forward. Don't sit there and lick your wounds for eternity. Take the rewards of being commended even for doing good and suffering the hardship of being mischaracterized. Verse 20, after all, what kind of credit if is it when you're beaten for your faith and you take it patiently? Verse 21, for to this you were called. You were called to be an example to people in times of difficulty. How's that done, pastor? Verse 13, submit yourselves to the authorities of every human institution, every ordinance of man. For the Lord's sake, I, don't li I only listen to God. Well, he tells you to listen to man. I only listen to God. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man. Whether to the king in government, verse 14, to the governor, as to those who are sent by Jesus for the consequences of evildoers, but for the praise of those who do good. Verse 15, this aspect of the will of God, Jesus exemplified that by doing good, you may put to silence those that are ignorant of the foolishness of end. Verse 16, as free, yet not using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Verse 17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Verse 18, servants, be Submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Jesus is our example on many fronts. Today, if we listen to this message time and time again, we're going to walk away with the same understanding. That as Christ was incarnate in the flesh of man, now Christ has been incarnate in us. Galatians 2.20. That now Christ lives in us. We no longer live in this world. We have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer we who live, but Christ lives in us. And that life, which now, which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That Christ is in us is a mystery that allows us to walk as he walked in this world. Philippians 2.5, he tells us, listen, if there's anything true about your faith, Philippians 2.1, 
He says, if it's true that you have comfort, if you have fellowship with the spirit, if you have affection and you have mercy, if anything's true about Christianity, verse two, fulfill my joy, being like-minded, having unity of mind, same love, being of one accord of one mind. That proves that we're in Christ. We're all thinking the same thing, feeling the same thing, hearing the same thing in the spirit. Verse 3, as we're becoming more like Christ, we're doing nothing out of selfish ambition. If everybody's doing their own thing, there's no church. Everybody say amen. amen. We all deny ourselves, so we come together and we're part of the body of Christ. Not seeking our own best interests, but in lowliness. In a mind that esteems each other better than themselves. I need you. That's what my mom told Keiko. Stick around here. We need you. Be a part of this place, not because you need us, because we need you. We need you to grow and become who God has called you to be in our midst so that the church would be the manifold grace of God, many expressions of his grace in our place. I can't play the piano like Richie. I can't sing like Jose Rivera. I can't do music like Josue and the worship team. I can't do that. I can't be generous like many people are. The generosity of many of you have blown me away but by leagues. The Christmas season comes and you're into more giving than receiving. That to me is awesome. That to me is impressive. It's inspiring to see the generosity of the generous. The eloquence of the eloquent. The patience, the love, the consideration. All these manifold graces in the body of Christ. He says if all of this is true, verse 4. If this is authentic, let each one of you look out not only for his own interest. You're not looking out for your priority. You're not removing yourself to fit yourself because we haven't been called to selfishness. We've been called to be like Christ. And, and the most awesome thing about the church is having as many people that come here and they give of their time and their devotion and their talents. And this, they make this the most glorious family of all. We already ransacked our own families by killing, stealing, and destroying. Now we're part of the biggest family upon the earth. Don't ruin it. Don't be cast out of this family because you're selfish and looking at yourself. We have 11 pastors. 11 pastors. And one woman will stand up and say, I have the counsel of God for my family. You're a witch. You're, you're wicked. You didn't sit down with 11 pastors to get the counsel of God. You proceeded on your own. You're an abomination to the God we serve. The body of Christ is much too rich for you to be an individual. This one man, last year he says, I didn't need the pastor's blessings. I blessed them myself. You usurped God's blessing place. You can't do that. Not without consequence, you can't. So he says, if all these things are three, true, one to four, in Philippians 2, and I got to hurry up here. Philippians 2, one to four. If your Christianity is authentic, verse five, let this mind be in you that was in Christ. He humbled himself. He didn't walk in arrogance and pride, verse seven. He took the form of a, he made himself of no reputation, verse 7. And he took the form of a servant, coming in the likeness of men, verse 8. And he says that 
He made himself obedient. He became obedient to the point of death. Where's your obedience scale? I told a woman, you didn't obey your dad. You didn't obey your husband. You're not going to obey your second husband, your third husband, or your fourth husband. You're not obedient. You're not going to be a blessing to your household. If it's a child that's disobedient to his pastors, his leaders, his parents, how will he be able to serve his wife? He can't. He'll always have an excuse why he didn't walk like Christ, obedient to the point of death. And it even says being like Christ is not only dying, but death on a cross. Verse 9, it says, therefore, God highly exalted him, giving him a name above every name. Verse 10, that at his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Verse 11, in heaven, on earth and under the earth, that he is Lord for the glory of the Father. Being like Christ is thinking like Christ, asking the Holy Spirit to replace your thoughts for his and conforming to a conduct that evidences that he is there walking in the manner that is worthy. Ephesians 5.1, therefore become imitators of God. Imitate God as well beloved children. If you're his child, imitate him. If you're his offspring, there's no greater moment in my life to see my sons walking in the testimony of their parents. There's no greater moment to see my sons. And I know for God is the same thing. When he sees us walking like Christ upon this earth, he looks down from heaven and he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased to imitate Christ in every aspect as dear children. Verse two, he continues on to say, and walk in love. Christ also has loved us and gave himself for us. Let's give ourselves for others. Offering a sacrifice to God, that sweet smelling aroma, it's perfume before the throne of God is sweet. It's a great thing to leave 2021 with this message and say, I purpose, oh God, to go back to the core of my faith in Christ, to be like him. As I worship God, I want to be more and more like the God I worship. Verse 3, not in fornication and uncleanness and covenant, let it not be named amongst you those things that are fitting for the saints, but being unselfish walking in a manner that honors him in all my ways. He said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, 29, take my yoke, learn of me, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, so that you can find rest for your soul. Lord, make me meek and humble, make me like you, I just, you know, he says, I can call a thousand, a legion of angels to destroy you guys. And I'm not, I'm here to lay down my life. I want to learn from him. He's gentle and humble of heart. Lord, make me gentle and humble. Let me walk in that manner. He sent us into this world in that regards. In John 17, 18, just as you have commissioned, he's praying to the father. He says, Lord, just like you sent me into the world, As you have sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. How did God send Jesus into the world? We talked about it on Wednesday, to be an answer and a medicine to the ills of this world. To be an antioxidant, to confront cancer and everything wicked in this world. We are the the salt of the earth. That's what, what preserves corruption. 
That's how they used to pack meat in the old days. They used to put salt all around it and it would keep corroding elements from rottening the meat. That's who we are. We, are, we preserve things for them not to corrupt. And in that regards, he says, Lord, just as you sent me into the world, I have sent them. John 20, 21, Jesus said to his disciples after he was in prayer, he says, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Every place we go, and I don't, I don't it, it might be the supermarket, it might be the mall, it might be, you know, doing an errand. And, and fulfilling your work, uh, your, your work ethic at work, and you could sit there and be Christ to those people in this God-forbidden world where people are living darkness. They have no idea what the glory of God means and how they're invited to participate. I want to finish by saying that God has been faithful in calling us to be like him in suffering, in obedience, in mercy, in prayer, in holiness, in, in all these manifest attributes of God. And, and so could you stand with me this morning and say, Lord, sorry for losing my focus. Sorry for allowing the tail to wag the dog. The tail doesn't wag the dog. We're, we're not to allow to the hardships in this life to make us think that, oh, but you don't know how much I suffered. Yes, I do. I know how much you have suffered because you've yet to suffer as Christ suffered. You've yet to, to endure hardship in the face of injustice like Christ did. And yet he championed life. And this is our victory, our faith. That we're becoming more and more like Christ in every expression of our dealings here upon the earth. And everything else becomes a poor excuse a lame excuse at justifying our apathy and indifference. We have allowed our faith to grow cold and, and we have allowed things to be out of place and out of order. But thank God the message has not changed. And here it is in Hebrews 13, 7, where Christ is faithful in every expression. 13, 8. Jesus Christ, unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is our hope. We're unwavering. We're unstoppable. We continue forward to our purpose and call in Christ. Father, thank you for this message. Thank you that you have spoken to your people, those that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Thank you that there is no, nothing formed against us that shall prosper. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. No animosity, nothing created, nothing visible or invisible shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Father, we give you thanks for speaking to our lives. And then not only your word that we have heard and we have considered and meditated upon, but the lives of people that live and accomplish your call. Thank you for brothers and sisters like Keiko Castro. Thank you, Lord, that there's still those that are persevering. They're unfazed and unmoved. Like it says in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, they consider nothing that would move them. Nothing moves them, Lord, that they might finish the call of God 
minister the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world, oh God. Thank you that the challenges that we face are only challenges to overcome. Thank you that the, the situations that we experience are only opportunities to authenticate the genuineness of our faith and our love for you. We pray, Father God, that this word would be a good word and that would produce fruit in the coming days and seasons, Lord, that we be unmoved, rooted in Christ, Lord, that we might experience you in every aspect and manifestation in this world, Lord. We pray your spirit would take this word and make it a reality in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says, amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. God bless you, and have a great continued Christmas holidays. We'll be together on December 31st for the last service of the year. 10 o'clock at night. God bless you.